We are believers. I think Chris prayed. We, we have a, a calling uh, to, to respond a certain way. And so as I'm sitting here thinking and writing this message over the last couple of days, it's like, what do we do as a church? What do we do as individuals? How do we respond? What is our response? I'm battling my own fear, the unknown, all of those things going on, and then I have this tugging on my heart of, man, people are afraid right now. People are scared, and if you don't believe me, I mean, maybe you kind of are, you know, where you are on the spectrum. Like, there's people lined up at my local Hannaford at 6 a.m. to get toilet paper. Like, this is where people are. Uh, and, And so it's a real thing. So no matter where you are on the spectrum, I think it's important that we all say, what do we do? What's my response? What's my personal response? And then what's my response to my neighbors in my community, in my church? And, and how do I respond by this? Fear makes us become laser-focused. It's a natural defense, but it takes discipline to resist it. You know, there was a, a young man in, in the first century that struggled with very similar feelings to what I have and what you have right now. And he, he was battled on many different sides with many different things happening. At the time, there was a lot of church persecution. So he was a pastor or a minister. He had a church, and he was young, um, and, and he was being oppressed, and, and people were being tortured and even killed for their faith. So, so he's got this thing fighting him. And I'm sure just that alone would be nerve-wracking and scary. But he's got other things facing him. He has his own church leaders that are disappointed with him. They don't think he's qualified. They think he's too young. They don't think he's effective enough. And he's battling two fronts. And so you can imagine he probably felt similar to the way we feel. What's going to happen? What's tomorrow look like? Is, is the Roman government going to come knock on my door and take me to jail? Or, or, or my other church leaders in my local church going to come to me and say, you know what, you just, you're not qualified, you got to get out, it's, it's not working. What is going to happen? And he receives this letter from his mentor and close friend, the Apostle Paul. And of course, I'm talking about Timothy. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to him. And I can imagine him receiving the letter and, and, and maybe, you know, there was people around or, uh, but, but he gets to absorb these words and, and you, can, you know how it feels. He was desperate for encouragement. He was desperate for his anxiety to subside. He was desperate for knowledge of a way to resist the fear and understand what he was supposed to do. And, and this is what the Apostle Paul has to say to his young mentee and son. He calls him his spiritual son, Timothy. So this is 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm going to, this isn't on the screen. Ryan's going to put the verse up that we're going to look at specifically. But this is the way Paul starts this letter. And you can imagine Timothy just absorbing these words on a deep level. He's desperate and he needs encouragement. And Paul starts the letter out like he does most letters. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And Timothy's like, yep, I know this guy. I can't wait to hear what he has to say to me. And then he says this, to Timothy, my dear son. And you could just stop right there and absorb the encouragement. Paul, the guy who's seen it all, the guy who's faced everything, the guy who is in chains is writing to me. Mm. Okay, Paul, 
What do you have to say? And this is what Paul says in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Wow. Already the encouragement is flowing. And to, and to have Timothy think, wow, there's, there's somebody out there and they are praying for me. They, they're, in, they're, they're praying for me and they're not just praying for me. They're praying for me night and day. They are so concerned about how I'm doing. That's rich. That's deep. And he says, Paul says, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and now in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. You see what Paul's doing? Immediately, he's taking that laser focus, that imaginary telescope, and he's pulling it off. And he's saying, there's something going on, Timothy, that you need to be aware of. And, and, it's, and it's me praying for you. And, and you have this faith, Timothy, and it was alive in your grandmother and now in your mother and now in you. And it's, it's rich and it's deep. And you can imagine Timothy's world kind of shrinking and he's zooming out a little bit. And he's going, okay, all right, there, there's people that are praying for me and they're encouraged. The, the, the encouragement is, is seeping into my heart. He says this in verse 6, for this reason... I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Timothy, not only do I love you and do I miss you, but I'm praying for you, and you have something inside of you that you need to be reminded of. And so Grace Chapel, this is what I'm telling you. You have something in you that you need to be reminded of. And it's the gifting that God has given you, and it's unique to you, just like it was unique to Timothy. So, so Paul's saying, fan the flame of this gift. Be encouraged because it's in your heart, and no matter what's going on around you, fan it and build this flame because you have a gift, oh, and it's powerful. And then verse 7, and we can put these words up, for the Spirit God gave us Timothy and Grace Chapel does not make us timid. No matter what happens, no matter how far advanced this virus gets, no matter if the Roman government knocks on your door today and takes you to jail, no matter if people disagree with you that are seemingly smarter and wiser than you, no matter what, this spirit does not make you timid. It gives you power, love, and self-discipline. And you can imagine Timothy's heart at this point just swelling with pride and going, man, Paul is there and he loves me and he's praying for me and he, and he wants to remind me that I have this gift inside of me and this spirit that I have, the Holy Spirit, it, it produces power in me. I feel like I could go home at this point. I'm feeling encouraged. We take that, that, that micro, or the, the telescope off of our eye and we start to realize God is moving and God is doing mighty things. This is one of the reasons why I'm so excited about Nate and Jules' little, beautiful little baby. It's proof that God is up to something. And the media, the onslaught of the reporting 
It's too much. So I just turn my phone off, and then I get a text message. Did you see? Did you hear what? And I go, oh, man, I got to go back and check. This is what Paul is telling Timothy. Hey, no matter what happens, you have the spirit of power in you. You have the spirit of self-discipline in you. And suddenly, for the first time, it feels like in days, I can take a deep breath. And the fear and the anxiety seems to dissipate. And I can go, yeah, you're right, Paul. I needed a reminder. (laughs) I needed just a, a little reminder that, that I have the Holy Spirit in me, and that no matter what occurs, no matter what tomorrow brings, no matter what the news is going to tell us to do next, the Spirit is in me, and I feel encouraged. We all need this. We all need this encouragement from time to time. This morning, I wasn't planning on saying this, but this morning I was walking up and down this aisle early, And I was crying, and I was praying, and I was going, Lord, I'm not sure if we should have this service or not. I'm not sure if it's right to call people here or not, and I'm confused, and I'm upset, and and I feel like this, and I feel that, and I got that that laser focus and that, that telescope on my eye, and I can only think of one thing. And then it hit me. It's not about me. It's about the fellowship of us. So I got on the phone with three of my closest friends, and I said, guys, we got to pray about this. I don't know. I'm confused, and I'm scared, and anxiety is pressing down on me. And those three men said, we know what to do. Let's pray. And all four of us prayed, and it was like the lights went on. That fear and that anxiety was gone. And I was kind of saying, like, who was that guy? Man, he was freaking out. And I feel strong, and I feel encouraged, and Just the opening verse of Nate's song, the first song, I'm going, yes, we needed this, you guys. We needed to be encouraged, and we needed that anxiety and that fear to dissipate. And I am so thankful that you came out, and I'm so thankful that we can can do this. As many people have pointed out, we don't have to be together to do this. It's true. We don't. We don't have to be in a, in, a, in a group, and, and I don't know what tomorrow looks like, and I don't know what the CDC is going to recommend tomorrow, but I can tell you this, my fear and anxiety have subsided because of you and because of our combined faith, and that's amazing, and that's just exactly what Timothy needed in that moment, but if you're like me, that moment is only a moment. So what now? Got me all fired up, strong, feeling courageous. I have the Holy Spirit, and and I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to set aside this fear and anxiety, and I'm going to move forward in the way that God wants me to go, and I'm going to encourage people and pray for people, and I do all this thing. I got all this going on. And then this afternoon when I get really tired and I get frustrated or I get upset or I see that next news article... And that fear and anxiety starts to fill me again. What then? And I can imagine Timothy wondering, Paul, what what next? I got it. I'm good. But man, that knock on the door could come. So when that happens, what do I do? 
Because it seems like today, in the last several days, I've been living moment by moment, and I don't know what's going to happen. Everything that I rolled my eyes at and said, oh my gosh, that could never happen. It's happened. They are never going to shut down the planes coming from Europe. No, it happened. They're never going to cancel school. No, it happened. This produces fear and anxiety. So now that we're encouraged, now that we feel strong, but what about that moment next when something else hits us and we wonder, what do we do now? I guess the question is, is how do we maintain the spirit of courage and of power? How do we maintain it through this time? How do we consistently ask, Lord, what do you want from me? What's my calling in this? Paul wasn't done. (laughs) And Paul used all kinds of words and all kinds of letters, and, and I don't have enough time to tell you all the things that Paul said to Timothy to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Galatia, to the church in Philippi, church in Corinth. He said so many things that are worth reading. So go back and read them. Google it if you you don't know where the passages are. That's what I do when I forget. Find out what encouraging words Paul has to say. But I will tell you this, and this is the challenge that faces us right now. The challenge is this. Guarding your thoughts is as important as guarding your health right now. Because we both know that your thoughts can drive you to crazy things. And in in a way, our thoughts are as powerful as our bodies are getting healthy or getting sick. So guarding our thoughts is as important as guarding our health. It's so important. When I talk to people friends on the phone, and I can hear they're just, their thoughts are running like mine seem to do, and they go, but what if, but what if, but what if, but what if? And I want to say, wait, 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 stop, stop, just take a time out. Your thoughts are running, and that's going to take you to crazy town, and I was just there, and things are on fire, okay? <laughs> just hang on a minute, and I'm kind of going with you to crazy town, and we both need to stop. So this is the challenge, Guard your thoughts. How did Timothy guard his thoughts in the days and weeks and months coming? By the way, Timothy did guard his thoughts until he was martyred for his faith. It's a real thing. How did he do it? It's two pieces. And they work in tandem with each other. And it's like you can't have one without the other. And it has to do with truth. The first one is speaking, or, or I'm sorry, um, thinking truth. You have to have this in your heart. You need to be reminded, if it takes every 30 seconds, do it. Remind yourself that you have the Holy Spirit in you. And that is not a spirit of fear. You have to remind yourself over and over and over. And Timothy knew this, Paul knows that, knew this, and so do you. This is a discipline. This is not a, um, just a one-time flip the switch and everything's fine kind of a deal. That would be folly to think that. This is a constant honing of your brain. I'm afraid, but I know I have the Spirit in me. And that Spirit gives me confidence it gives me, gives me confidence to, to make the smart choice, not the panicked choice. 
It gives me confidence to say, Lord, should I X or should I Y? And God gives you that answer. This is the challenge. Honing your mind, guarding your thoughts, protect them because they are gold. And this is what I do. So I, I, I use scripture for this. Passages, I mean, it's easy, guys. We live in the informational age. You Google it, man. Find out where that passage is. Put it on your phone. Read it over and over and over. Create a breath prayer out of it if you want. So breathe in a, a, a few words and breathe out a few words and do it over and over. And hone your discipline to guard your thoughts. When you feel your mind running, pull them back. And no, no, no. I got the spirit of courage in me. And I can't do that. I'm not going to go there. Guard that. This is what I do when I pray. So I, so I use scripture for that and then I pray in my own personal time. And sometimes this happens in five minutes when I'm driving in my car. Or this sometimes this happens over an hour of me sitting in, in my living room and praying and, and, and soaking up the Lord. But this is the way I do it. I, I have three sections of prayer. And this, I think, is going to be helpful for you. The first one is declaring God's greatness. Declare his greatness. So I spend time and I go through every name that I can remember that God uses for himself. And I say, Lord, you are the almighty God. You are, you are the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. You are almighty and you are our counselor. And Lord, you are Elohim and you are Jehovah Jireh and you are Yahweh. And God, you're my father. And I spend time there. And I just soak that up. And I go, God, this is who you are. And I just need to take a minute and I need to remember that that's who you are. And you're not affected by this virus. You're not affected by these Romans coming to arrest me. You're not affected by who thinks I'm doing right and who thinks I'm doing wrong. You are the beginning and the end. God, you are the great I am. And that's who I'm worshiping in this moment. And you declare his greatness. Sometimes that takes 30 seconds because you're already there and you're like, Lord, I know it. <laughs> I know who you are and I know who I am and I'm good with it. Sometimes it takes 20 minutes. Depends on how much fear and anxiety is in your heart. Second step is surrender to his will. And this is the point of the prayer where I just start laying out everything I want. Lord, I want this. I want this. I want safety for my family. I want my wife to feel courage. I want my kids to feel strong. I want my church to be emboldened. I want, I want, I want, I want. And I give them all of it. And at the very end, I say, Lord, all of that, I'm willing to sacrifice for your will. So if that stuff's your will, amen. Thank you, Jesus. But if it's not, I got to set it aside and I got to want your will more. And that sometimes takes me a while before I can get there. Sometimes I go through each request and I say, Lord, I want your will, but I also want, God, I want this, but I, but I want your will. And I have to work my heart and my mind and I discipline myself to say, yes, I want God's will more than I want even these good things. And then I lay that stuff at his feet. And I surrender to his will. Sometimes it takes 30 seconds. Sometimes it takes 20 minutes or more. And then the third step is this. I acknowledge my dependence on him. In fact, sometimes I even brag to God. If you can imagine that, I say, God, I'm so proud of the fact that I cannot lift a finger without you. 
I'm proud of the fact that I need you for my heart to beat and my brain to function and my mouth to work. I'm proud that I need you for today. I'm proud that I need you for this moment. And I'm proud to know where my strength comes from. And I pray this and I think it and I, and I, I meditate on that. And then I say, I need you. I need you today. I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness that I could forgive others. I need your protection. I need you to not lead me to a place where I might sin. I need you. And when I finish that prayer, sometimes I do it again because I'm just not ready to let go of the fear and anxiety yet. And then I do it again, and I do it again, and I do it again. Sometimes I'm feeling large, feeling king of the world at that point, and I'm good. And I'm good for like another 30 seconds, and then I gotta go, no. You have to focus, and you have to control your thoughts, and you have to force the telescope away from your eye, and you have to understand what God is doing is so much greater than the fear and the panic that I feel inside of me. I have to think truth. I have to think truth if I'm gonna control my thoughts. And then the next step is equally as important. It's speaking truth. And this is what Paul did. He had it in his heart and he was battling this and he meditated and he worked on it and he trusted God and he worked through all this and then he said, you know what I need to do? I know somebody a young man who, who's wet behind the ears and all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and he doesn't know what ends up, but his name's Timothy and I gotta encourage him because he's probably getting overwhelmed right now. I need to speak truth. And he writes a letter and he sends it to Timothy. The only thing that he could do at the time, he wrote a letter. You know, Paul and Timothy are not that different than us right now. We have loved ones, I'm sure you do too, that are kind of locked away because of this virus and the fear of it and, and the risk of it and all of those things, there's a lot of isolation going on right now in our society and just our little community. What can you do? You speak truth to them. We have amazing technology. As Danielle said, we can use the internet for good. You can call them. You can send them an email. You can Facebook message them. You can even FaceTime them and see their face. Who in your community, which one of your neighbors has not talked to anybody in 48 hours or longer? Who in your community desperately needs to know that you're praying for them? You have to think truth. And then you have to turn and you have to speak truth. Because this is what happens. If you think truth and think truth and think truth and you bottle it up, that truth starts to dissolve. And it starts to turn into selfishness. And you're like, oh man, I'm so great. I'm, I'm wonderful. I got it all figured out. I've, I've got this all down. But that truth's got to get out. And if it doesn't, it starts to decay. You got to think truth and you have to speak truth. Think it and speak it. So we're doing a couple things here at Grace Chapel that I'm really excited about. We're going to do calls and cards. If your handwriting is as bad as mine, you might want to use the phone instead of your hand. But if you want to write somebody a card, if you want to make a phone call and talk to somebody that you know is probably not seen a lot of people lately, you can connect with the church. You can connect with us on Facebook. You can connect with us. Our website has our email address. You can email us. And we will give you people's names and numbers that have given us permission to connect. This is what we can do. It's a small thing. But you can pick up the phone and say, listen, maybe I don't know you that well, but I love you and I'm praying for you. Is there anything you need? What can I do for you besides pray with you right now? That's powerful. 
Do you need a meal? I'll get somebody to bring it over, or we'll just leave it on your doorstep and you can come get it. What do you need? That connection is speaking the truth. Maybe you got 20 addresses and you just start writing cards. I love you. Praying for you. It's all going to be over soon. God's, at, God's on the move. Here's the encouraging passages that I've been looking at. Calls and cards. You guys probably know about the Shen backpack. Uh, um, oh, Veronica, I'm, I'm forgetting the name. Bountiful backpacks. Guess what? There's a lot of kids that are at home now, and those kids need food. So we're going to have some opportunities. We're going to post some stuff on our Facebook page and our website, and if you need more information about it, you can connect with us. There's going to be some opportunities there for you to go, you know what? I've got some excess stuff. <laughs> Maybe you stockpiled a little too much. <laughs> you got some excess stuff, and you can donate it, or you can go, and you can get stuff and donate it. We need to speak truth. We need to think truth. And that is the only way that we can guard our thoughts because guarding our thoughts is right now is as important as guarding our health. So would you pray with me and would you pray bold prayers with me? Lord Jesus, God, you are the almighty. You are the great I am. And Lord, we need to take a minute and think about that. We need to pray big prayers, Lord. You are a big God and you are capable of big things. So God, I ask that you would halt the movement of this virus. God, I ask that the people that are suffering with this virus right now, that it would decline and they would win and they would become healthy again. And Lord, I would love it. I would love it if nobody could explain it. I would love it if it would be a miraculous movement of your hand and anyone who knows you has a twinkle in their eye and says, the Almighty did that. God, I want that so bad. God, I want a mighty move of your spirit to encourage people to let them know that they're not alone and that the spirit inside of them gives them courage and power and self-discipline and love. Lord, I want your hand to go out in a mighty way and move people. And maybe the boldest thing I can say right now, Lord, is above that desire is my desire for your will. I'm scared to pray that, God. But I ask your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. With that, Jesus, we are excited to see what you're going to do tomorrow. In your precious and holy name.